Welcome to the VimpCast, your favorite discussion of all Vimp-related activities. On October 19, 2013, the Vegas Internet Mafia family picnic invades the D Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Featuring 500 by Midnight, the original Las Vegas podcast. Tits McGee! The Vegas Gang Podcast. As you've already surmised, we are the smartest people in the entire world. Vegas Tripping Match Game. This is going to be really, really great. It's going to be like Animal House. And Stump Dr. Dave. I have a lot of strange conversations. Plus, the first ever World Series of Satin Casino Jackets. Gorgeous pool table. The 777th running of the Vimtucky Derby. And a very special after party featuring a concert by multi platinum Juno Award winner Our Lady Peace. Visit VegasInternetMafia.com for details, hotel room discounts, and more. The 2013 Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic. Be there. This is the Vegas Gang Podcast for July 25th, 2013. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. Let me go around the virtual table and introduce my co-hosts. We have Chuck Monster, Editor-in-Chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Hi, I'm Chuck Monster. Oh, man, you should talk like that all the time. <laughs> That's way too awesome. Um, and of course, Dr. Dave Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. I can't settle on, a, settle on a gimmicky voice, so I'll just speak as myself. I've got a lot of options, but I could the, go for the. I think I'm going to go for the Shatner. I'm very happy to be here. Dave, Dave, everybody knows that you're our straight man, right? Like you, you, we can always rely on you to be like dependable and solid, whereas we're just like loose cannons. So um, my name's Hunter Hilligus, and if if I believe all the emails I get. Uh, I'm actually Dave's editor, so you can just refer to me as Dave's editor. <laughs> and for those of you that are sending me emails telling me I should pass stuff on to Dave, uh, yeah, you can just email Dave directly. I'm not yeah, sure why you know, I get I'm, in those. I'm actually pretty accessible. Hard to believe, but yes. – uh, too accessible. Too pretty accessible easy for people to get get in touch with me. So yeah, you don't, uh, you know, I I don't have you don't have to go through Hunter. You can go right to me if you yes. if you want to send me some kind of story pitch or something. Yeah. So it is kind of I, it is a little bit interesting because I get to see some of the wacky stuff you get. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, not that it bothers me, but it's just not necessary. Um, all right. So some announcements at the top of the show. A little bit of show related stuff. Um, first off. Talking about Flipboard a little bit, uh, I put out a call last time to get some help from some folks to uh, add content to the ongoing Flipboard magazine that we set up, and that was great. I got uh, some some great responses, and um, Big Hoss and everyone's favorite Internet Ferret are now contributing content to the Flipboard magazine. So Mac and Haas, I appreciate that. That's been great. You guys are helping to keep it alive, which is fantastic. And the other cool thing about that Flipboard magazine is that you can actually read it on the web now too. So uh, if you don't have a smartphone or a tablet or just don't want to use that app for some reason, um, you can read it on the web. So I'll put the link in the show notes. And um, that's just one way to get some random Vegasy news, which is kind of fun. Yep. Moving on. Dr. Dave, the Dr. Dave 
uh, author's corner. Um, of course, Dave, you know, we've talked a lot about Roll the Bones and the updated edition that you put out there. And we'll make sure to uh, make sure to remind folks that that's available if they haven't already picked it up. But the other thing that I at least wanted to touch on, and I know this project is sort of still in stealth mode. And so uh, I think there's going to be a lot more to come in the future. But But the Grandissimo book, which is your book about Jay Sarno, who was the founder of both Caesars and Circus Circus, for those that are not aware, uh, I, I got the opportunity to to read a draft, and I can't tell you how great I think it is. It's super exciting and fun. Um, I really, really love the book, and um, you know, I think it's hard to imagine a better subject for a book. I mean, the guy was just one of these larger than life characters that. Uh, you really, it's almost hard to believe all of the things that he did and all of the trouble he got himself into and how he survived and skated by and got those places built. It was really, it really is an amazing story. And, um, I just, I thank you so much for letting me take a look at it. And I know that all the listeners out there are going to really love it when they get the chance to uh, read it for themselves. I can't wait for it to become a major motion picture. It has that. Oh, it does. For written sure. all over it. This seems like it should be a great movie because yeah. this guy is such a character. You get the right person to play it and, you know, they might amp it up a little bit more to uh, to make it a little more, you know, Sarno-y, I guess. But uh, it, it really would make a great film. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking I'd like to get a meeting uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he'd be if good. anybody could, I think he would nail it. I think he would absolutely nail nail the role, yeah. totally. But if people are curious, the, um, now I just got back my proofreader's report, so I'm making some changes of the book. Next thing I do is I add in the photos, and then I pretty much go into production, go into the the indexing and the final proofing, and then we're ready to go to cover the cost of the final production. I've, I'm going to be doing a Kickstarter. It's pretty going to be not going to be a huge amount of money, but still, I, I'm going to need it to get over the top. So that should be up hopefully within about two weeks. Once I have that ready, you'll learn a lot. I'm going to have a sample chapter out and some other fun stuff. So it's it's all coming together. The official launch date for the book is going to be at Vimp. Oh. So yet another fun thing at Vimp. We're going to launch the book there. That'll be the official launch. Well, it's it's really great. People are going to absolutely love it, and I can't wait until I can talk even more about it because I, I really couldn't put it down. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just an amazing story. And honestly, Dave, I, it's, I've been re- reading your writing for a long time and I just wanted to say that it's really fun also to watch the arc of your writing as, you know, it's gotten, it's gotten, honestly, it's gotten a lot better. And I think that's a good thing. Thanks. And I, <laughs> I don't mean that to sound the way that maybe it sounded. It started from a really great place, but yeah. it's just the progression is really clear as an author. You've, um, you really captured it here. I really, really love it. Yeah. yeah you know, it's going from being very document based and very traditional his- history based to kind of opening up the new things and, just writing more of a story as opposed to I'm going to look at all these primary sources and then, you know, grind through all of them. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely more of a story. It's very, I try to be very novelistic with this. So it's definitely something different for me. Yeah. It was great. People are going to freak out and love it. So uh, I can't wait till it's out there and we'll have a lot more to talk about it on the show. Um, you know, as that process goes on and Dave announces more of the particulars. So I'm looking forward to being able to share that stuff with, with the audience. Um, okay. 
Continuing on here uh, through our announcements app-wise, I'm going to uh, subject all of you guys uh, with a little bit of app discussion here because um, as I've alluded to on some previous episodes, I've been working on on a new app, a, a second Vegas-related iPhone app that is, was to be released very soon, and I'm really happy to report that very soon now has a date, and very soon is Monday. So um, on Monday, July 29th, I'm going to be releasing a new app that's called Vegas Lists, and um, it really is kind of what it sounds like. It's a simple, very focused app that is designed for to help you create almost to-do lists for places in your vacation. So you know, imagine, and this is actually what happened to me. I I listen to uh, other Las Vegas related podcasts. I read stories, you know, the stuff that Dave writes at Vegas Seven or that is on Vegas tripping and other places. And I think of cool, I see cool places that I want to try, that I want to remember to check out. Um, and what I wanted was a quick and easy way, uh, a good place to jot them down on my phone where I could keep track of them. So I built an app around that idea. And, you know, it brings in some search capabilities from both the, the Vegas Mate Places database, but also including information from Yelp. So it's got uh, a really wide range of stuff that's accessible. And you can create lists and add items to it. And then when you're actually in Vegas, you can have the app notify when, notify you when you're nearby one of these places. So if you add some cool bar to your to one of your lists in the app, uh, and then six months later, six months later, you're cruising Fremont Street, uh, your phone will buzz and tell you that Commonwealth, the bar that you wanted to check out, is you know uh, a couple blocks away. So it's bringing all these features together to try and make it easier for people to have more fun on their vacations, which is sort of the, the mission statement be- behind all of the apps that I've been working on. Um, and I hope people like it. So it's going to be in the App Store on Monday. Um, I'm going to be putting up a website for the app that shows some screenshots and some more details about it over the weekend. And that's at uh, VegasLists.com. And um, so that stuff will all be going up. And uh, I'll put a, include a link to that website in, in the show notes as well. And I hope I hope people enjoy it. So really excited to get that out there. I've been working on it for a little while. Um, and I think it'll be fun. I hope people like it. It's, you know, it's definitely for a certain kind of person. It's not a the kind of tool that like everyone in the world will need and use, but I'm hoping that for the people that do want it, they'll really like it. So um, looking forward to getting that out there. So that's the Vegas list app and that'll be in the app store on Monday. And then the other thing I'm working on that I continue to work on is a complete uh, total overhaul to the Vegas mate app. So Vegas mate is a tourist guide app that includes a lot of information about uh, all the touristy stuff you would want to do in Las Vegas. It's sort of like an iPhone guidebook. Um, and, you know, Apple's introducing some big changes to the iPhone and the iPad this fall with their new iOS 7 software. And Vegas Mate 4 will take advantage of all that stuff and be available around the same time. So that is a major project that is underway but still has a lot of work to do um, that I'm cruising along on. But I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of new capabilities that I get to build in, which is really fun. So I think uh, people are going to like that as well. And um, no uh, no uh, shipping dates to announce for that yet. That's going to be a while. But uh, it's coming along well. I'm happy with it and just having a lot of fun. So I wanted to update you all with uh, some info on uh, on how it was going. So, i tell you what, man. I can't wait to hear the Vegas Lists jingle. I know. I know. I, you know, lists kind of rhymes with tits. 
<laughs> I uh, I should I need to talk to uh, my songstress in chief Michelle about this and see what we can come up with. The last one was uh, unprompted, so um, you know we'll just have to see how that goes. But yes, that's an excellent point. Yes. All right. Uh, so books, apps, flipboards, but of course, you know we've been shilling on this topic for months now, but it's incredibly important. Before we get into topics, Vimp. We got to remind you all of Vimp. So of course, Vimp is October nineteenth at the D in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, it's an opportunity to hear us do a live interview, and we've been talking about possible guests for our interview yet. That that will be announced uh, soon. And of course, also our really good friends. 500 by Midnight, Tim and Michelle are going to be there doing their live show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a the VT Match Game, which if, if you haven't uh, seen this in person, if you haven't been to one of these events the last two years, you really can't quite prepare yourself for how crazy it actually is. Um, it is as insane as you would imagine. Um, Chuck's twisted brain is on full display as the, <laughs> as the VT Match Game uh, <laughs> unfolds before your very eyes. <laughs> And, um, you know, we've got some other events. As Dave just mentioned, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to learn more and get on the Grandissimo train, which is awesome. <laughs> and um, we've got the World Series of Saturn Casino Jackets, which is going to be an opportunity for you to show off your uh, amazing eBay and uh, thrift store finds. And the uh, 777th running of the Vimptucky Derby. So, Chuck, I don't think we had announced that on our last show, so why don't you tell us what that is and what the story is? Oh, man, this is <laughs> going to be great. So uh, our uh, our host, Derek Stevens from the D, this was his idea to uh, put together basically a Sigma Derby tournament uh, for all of us to to uh, to play and have some fun and hit the bar and, and goof around together. And looking at this, you know, we knew that there was time constraints, so we decided that it would be really cool if everybody teamed up. So you get three or four of your buddies, just like a horse race. You own this horse. You collaborate on naming it, uh, where it's from, what it is, all the other details. And then you enter your horse into the event. Okay, so your horse is your entry, and then all... Your entry, your horse, competes up against the other horses, betting on the horses inside of the Sigma Derby game. So it's kind of like a meta Sigma Derby inside of a horse race deal. <laughs> and it seems like everybody's sort of gone a little bonkers with this thing. People have been tweeting things about, uh, you know, bringing whips and, or crops <laughs> and, uh, you know, racing helmets and pants and, and big goofy hats and mint juleps and stuff. So this thing is obviously, you know, you got to love our fantastic, awesome community because people are just bringing their creativity to the event. And it always ends up, all this stuff always ends up being way better than we even hope it's going to be. So this is going to be fantastic. All the rules are posted on the, uh, the VIMF website, VegasInternetMafia.com. We still have two or three slots left. Uh, for entry, if you want to do it, I wouldn't wait. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a waiting list, and there's a good chance we're going to be able to accommodate most of the waiting list, but uh, you really want to get in there and, and uh, register on the website as soon as possible. That yeah. is 
the Vimftucky Derby. Yeah, so um, good to remind folks that um, the overall Vimf events are all free, including uh, the Our Lady Peace concert and the main event and the World Series of Satin Casino Jackets. But the Vimftucky Derby, since it is an actual gambling event, has a $50 buy-in, and all of that's going to be returned to the winners uh, and all this information is on the website, so I would encourage you to read through it if you're interested. And so we have, uh, I think, it's 30 teams, right? That are 30 yeah. slots, and 30 um, slots. and now you know now it's July 25th as we're recording this, and they are almost completely full. So uh, if you want to get in on this action, I would suggest, as Chuck said, you got to get over there and register ASAP. Um, and and as he mentioned, we will have. Some uh, a waiting list for folks that uh, that don't make it, and you know, because since people's schedules change, and who knows, we may end up with spots. So, uh, but if you want to do it, get in there and uh, get on the list. And uh, it's going to be in two rounds. Um, the first will be the 18th at 5 p.m., and then the second round will be right after the main event on Saturday. So it's going to be a good opportunity to have a lot of fun with uh, everybody that's going to be there. I think it's going to be great. Yep. So yeah, as Chuck said, all the info is at VegasInternetMafia.com, including all the info on the on the event and a promo code for hotel rooms at the D. So it's a good way to save a couple of bucks as you are planning your trip. We cannot wait to see you there. Very much looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. All right, that's it with our follow up and announcements for uh, for this show. Let's get into some topics. There's um, you know it's sort of we're in like the slow summer. Uh, not a lot of incredible breaking news happening here and there, but um, there's I think a few things that we can that we can talk about that's interesting. Especially recently, uh, uh, various gaming companies have been announcing some financials, some interesting numbers that we can highlight. But before we do that, I want to talk about the Cosmopolitan and a new advertising campaign that they are running. Um, because this was uh, posted, I think, on their website was maybe last week. Uh, or just recently, um, two new ads that they're running in their with their same tagline, uh, "Right Amount of Wrong," which is something that they've been using since the uh, opening of the of the resort. You know, I I posted on Twitter. I wasn't sure if they were advertising or entering a hipster art contest. I don't. You know, that's uh, I'm sort of being sarcastic because uh, I'm not surprised to see ads like this from them. But again, we have another set of ads that don't show the resort, that don't show, um, you know, anything that might be that you might actually experience when you're on your vacation at the Cosmopolitan. And I think, you know, some folks will look at these and say that this that they're perfect, that they are hitting right into their target market and that uh, these ads really do a great job of expanding their brand and their message. Uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure, and I'm not so sure that that's even the right move at this point. I mean, if you look at their financials, I think it would be hard to argue that the market that they're targeting has really latched onto their message up until now. And yes, we have seen some of those numbers improve slightly, but there's still a long way from being a big financial success. And thus, I question the, uh, I question going after. This market doubling down on this idea with these super hipster jumbled images, um, as some as some has said, uh, epilepsy inducing um, ads. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Are, are when you saw this ad, Dave, did you think I got to go down to the Cosmopolitan and uh, and put five bucks on black? 
I think it's what happens when you have people in charge of marketing that are more focused on the brand than on the product, what they actually have. You know, I've said this before, but it really it's just a complete void of what they actually have, which is a shame because they have a pretty good hotel and they've got a pretty nice facility there. So you think that would enter into some of their ads, at least to some point, you know. I'm not saying you have to have a blow-by-blow detail of, oh, this is the buffet, and here are how many slot machines we have, and here are all the table games, and this is how you play craps, and come down and gamble. But, you know, you'd expect they would at least maybe mention it or allude to the fact that they have a pretty nice property. Right. I mean, I think if you take like a station casinos ad on one hand – uh, of course, they don't want to do something like that, right? I mean, those are pretty yeah. cheesy. But this is so far on the other end of the spectrum that it's you know it's not even clear what they're advertising. If you miss that last slide, it's weird too because I remember before they opened, I was getting pestered by people there trying to get me to say on record that they were the first strip hotel to have balconies. And I was just saying, well, no, you're not. There's 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 quite a few others that do, and they you know it seems like. If they couldn't get that little bit of hyperbole in there, then they didn't want to talk about the property at all in some ways. It's really weird how they – the way – it's like you've got a nice property. Just talk about that. Yeah, very nice and you know, really good uh, dining options and a, a very impressive nightclub operation. Um, I don't know. Chuck, what do you think about these ads? Are they – when you saw them, were you expecting to – I mean did they surprise you or were these just what you expected from the Cosmopolitan? Are they good ads? I'm not really surprised at all. You know, if you think about where they put these ads, you know, Cosmopolitan historically has dropped their ads into like the season premiere of Mad Men, which is an ad related show. Like that's where it debuts or the season finale of that show. So they're trying to take a a sort of advertising, advertising kind of look at this thing like they're they're just trying to pop this ad into people's minds with this stuff and to me it looks like possibly two things it looks like you're like a high speed run through a, a 20 early 20s woman's pinterest <laughs> flow cuz it's just like it's all of these stylized fonts with one word Right. right, stylized fonts with one word, and then it goes to the next one and another stylized font in a different way with another word, and that eventually makes you know a a quote, which is like very very internet, you know, posting an image of a quote. This is like the Vine version of it, if you will, uh, of tacking all these words together in a stylized font kind of way, Instagrammy deal to create a message, and the message that they're saying is. Uh, you know, it's uh, don't fit into the mold, you know, do something different. You're young. You're still responsible. Uh, you're you're responsible, but you're it's the nexus of when people grow up from when they're still like in their mind, they're half of a teenager and they're half of an adult. Mm-hmm. So they're old enough to go to Vegas and have a good time and pay the rate, but they're young enough to still sleep in pajamas and uh you know, play with toys or, or just, you know, just to, to be subject to, to a, a greater degree of whimsy or the, or the jadedness hasn't set in yet, you know, which I think happens around 32. Uh, so in terms of that, that's the, the market that they're going for. They're, they're trying to identify the property with those people, that demographic, that group of folks. And now that, that mentality of 
being responsible while also uh, wanting, desiring the degree of freedom, uh, you know, that actually does transcend to other strata of life. So it's, it's basically saying, you know, come to Las Vegas and you can release yourself from your shackles in kind of a sort of hyper-stylized way. So the message itself, sure, it makes perfect sense. You know, it's kind of couched and shrouded in so much of this other filigree. It's a little difficult to fully, you know, extract that out of there. So the, the flashing and stuff it was a little was a little disconcerting to me as well. It was just a lot of a lot of kind of noise. There's too much noise and not enough message. But yeah, I just I still wonder if uh, doubling down on this strategy is wise. I mean, it may be that. Uh, you know, that they continue to make ads like this and try to appeal to this uh, this specific demographic and that maybe it does eventually pay off, but it seems to be slow going so far. Does the curious class play craps? It, you know? So far, no. Exactly. They don't. Right. So, so I yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think they should be making making station ads, but uh, it would be interesting to see how a how an ad that was more property focused would play. Oh, well, you know, you got to wonder what the question is here. Somebody's paying paying for this stuff. Yeah, you know, and if the hotel is paying for it, you know, who's paying the hotel? Because the hotel's not paying for itself; it's all the bank, right? The money's coming from from the German bank, and they seem to be more possibly. Uh, interested in creating this brand that they can spin off or sell. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that definitely it. I mean, they intellectual want... Intellectual property. Yeah, they want to build the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess, I don't know, this This was the first real new big pieces of uh, advertising from them for a while, so uh, we'll probably have to make our make sure that we are that these satisfy us for the foreseeable future but it uh they made a big splash with these things and i guess they got us to talk about it so they must yeah. be, maybe they're doing something right maybe um all right moving on moving on from actually so if uh, if uh revel is cosmopolitan east this is a concept that uh this next topic that i wanted to touch on something that they tried at revel that failed and um, Dave is not so sure it's going to work in Las Vegas. And this was a, 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 a Greenfelt Journal piece that you wrote uh, earlier this month, July, about uh, smokeless strip. Basically, the idea of casinos in Nevada not uh, being non-smoking either through their own choice or by fiat. Um, you know, so of course we've seen other jurisdictions do this, as you mentioned in your piece. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine a a Las Vegas casino without smoking, but um, why didn't you tell us what your conclusion was? Yeah, my conclusion is as long as casinos are going to take a 20% revenue hit by banning smoking, they're not going to ban smoking. You know, I think Revel's problems weren't because it was a non-smoking casino, but it doesn't help. On the other hand, you look at the jurisdictions that have banned smoking and the revenues decline, but in a lot of cases, they came back. And the cases where they didn't, like Illinois, they also had a lot of other issues like high tax rates and more competition from outside the state. You know, Personally, I think in the year 2050, are people going to be smoking casinos? Probably not. But, you know, I don't know when when that's going to get here. I just think it's probably inevitable that it's going to go away unless there's a major change in how Americans feel about smoking in public places. You know, and I think maybe with the growing 
with the casino itself kind of getting more compartmentalized, going into more into high limit rooms for a lot of the play. I wouldn't be surprised if they banned smoking on the the main floor, but still let it happen in the high limit rooms or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you know, if I was if I was Caesars, I would just say, hey, let's try an experiment. Let's make Planet Hollywood the whole property non-smoking and see what happens. See if the revenues plummet if they increase. Yeah. I you know, it's interesting. I I am not a smoker myself. Um and I was not sad when uh they banned smoking in restaurants because you know, a bunch of smoke in my food is not something I loved. But I find it very hard to imagine um a Las Vegas casino floor without smoking. It doesn't bother me when other people are smoking. I mean, these places generally speaking have good ventilation. Uh you know, some of the downtown joints maybe not so much. But um, it's not something that really that really bothers me. Now I know that there are you know health risks and the like, and of course the people that work there, it's an entirely different story. Um, but uh, it's I don't know. It's just really hard for me to imagine um, one of these places without smoking. Chuck, you know, you have been visiting Las Vegas casinos for a while. Is this an integral part of the casino experience, as far as you're concerned? Oh man, I tell you, even after I quit, after I quit smoking. <laughs> Like the second I'd walk into the casino, I'd be like, oh, man, I want a cigarette, man. Oh, I want it so bad. You know, it's like to me sitting there smoking and gambling. When I would go to town, it would be like I'd go from smoking a half pack to like three packs in a day. You know, <laughs> it could be just the drugs and the, the booze or whatever it is. But it's like you're just in it, man. And you're, it's like the nicotine's giving you energy and all this other stuff. And it's really not in their, their interest. You know, they, they let people take the drugs, you know. Come on. It's, it's, it's part of the experience. But also – you know, it's nice not to smoke, too. It's nice to have a place where you don't have to. But I think if you're going to make that choice, you'll probably end up just going to a nicer place with better ventilation. You right. Know? That's you true. Just like you said, downtown, it's a little bit tougher. But you go pretty much anywhere on the Strip other than Casino Royale, you're going to be okay. It's not that bad. And, uh, you know, the compromise um, in the last round of smoking legislation where, you know, the public spaces. Um, you you know, there's no smoking in some of those areas, but the casinos were exempted. That seems like a really a reasonable compromise to me, right? Yeah. I mean, there are places where you're maybe seeing more kids, and um, uh, and then it's not allowed in those areas. But uh, the casino floor, I don't know. It seems it seems sort of sacred to me. Don't don't take that away. Yeah, it's part of the thing, man. Sitting there at a table with some guy smoking a cigar near you, you know, it's to me, it's. That means you're at the casino, you know, you're not at the health spa. Yeah. The interesting thing, though, is a lot of the new jurisdictions are coming online with smoking bans in place. So I right. think Massachusetts and I think Maryland. And there's a lot. I went to the, the casino smoking website that I think I mentioned in the article, and I was surprised at how many states actually have done this. So it could be that the next generation of gamblers yep. doesn't grow up with that association. Right, so right, right. I think long term we're going to see it. I, you're probably right, and I think it's so much easier to start without it uh, than it is to have it and then try and ban it. Um, but you're right. This may just be one of those things that uh, happens by itself over time. It's also worth noting that we really are at the beginning stages of a technological shift in smoking. Uh, over the last year or so, electronic cigarettes have – as an industry has quadrupled from 
you know, a teeny weeny little thing to now it's, you see it all the time here. You go to, go to dinner and people are sucking on an electronic cigarette, you know, and it doesn't smell. It's no big deal. People sit at their desk at work and they're getting their nicotine too. So over time, I imagine, you know, the old dirty burn, even people who smoke, no matter how much they love it, they hate the fact that it stinks. Right. And they hate the fact that there's dust all over the place and dirt and whatnot. So I think over time, you're going to start seeing more people are going to get off of the, uh, the actual flame and get on the vapor. So now this is we're really at the beginning of it, but in California, it's pretty much everywhere. You see it all hmm. the time. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't yeah. seen it a whole bunch yet. I saw it uh, being discussed on Twitter the other day. I thought that was interesting. Um, I've seen commercials for it recently, but that's an interesting point. Just the idea that technology, not just casino and ventilation technology, but smoking technology may obviate some of these issues. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We will move from smoking to talk a little bit about money. Um, because we've had uh, some interesting transactions occur recently, some financial reporting, uh, and some of this stuff may not merit a lot of discussion, but it is at least notable, especially, I think, as we think about trends in the industry and where they're potentially going. Um, Starting off with a quick note about IGT, right, who had purchased uh, their double-down social Facebook casino asset um, months ago. I know we talked about that when it happened. It was a pretty big number, uh, but in their most recent financial reporting for the last quarter, they were reporting a, a 40% boost on their revenue from that acquisition, which is a pretty amazing um, for them to see that kind of uh, additional <clears throat> additional income from, from that acquisition, which is, uh, you know, I think we'll definitely see more of these types of acquisitions as we see these t- more traditional gaming companies gobble up uh, – gobble up uh, these newer sort of social assets. But it was I was surprised to see such a big number um, flowing in from that acquisition. That's a lot of money. 40%? Who yeah. should be – who's buying who? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, exactly. This is it, – it, it's – so far it looks like they made a pretty shrewd purchase in getting those guys on board. And I don't remember what they paid for the company, but – and it wasn't cheap. But uh, that that's a big a big boost, and um, you know that sounds like one of those acquisitions where uh, where they made out a winner. Uh, let's see, Bally and Shuffle Master, or the company formerly known as Shuffle Master. So Bally, of course, is a big game manufacturer um, that also has been spending time doing um, a bunch of stuff on the internet. They make apps for casinos now, a lot of those, uh, casinos and hotels, and they have been doing some other game-related stuff. But they are buying um, the Shuffle Master folks. And Dave, you wrote about this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and said it was, and you, th- you were saying you, that you thought it was a big deal. I think it is. I think it shows the way the industry is going. They're kind of, just like there's a lot of convergence in the brick-and-mortar casino business. I think the providers are also kind of coming together. You've got IGT. You've got WMS with uh, Scientific Games. They're, they just announced they're emerging earlier this year. Now, if Bally and Shufflemaster, you know, it makes this huge company that provides slot machines, apps, online gaming, mobile gaming, table gaming stuff – Almost said solutions there, but that means I've been reading too many brochures and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so table gaming products, just a ton of stuff. So it's it's interesting that you've got the gaming operators kind of merging pinnacle pinnacle. Oh, call them 
Pinnastar, Pinnacle and Ameristar, <laughs> which would be a pretty cool name if they took that. But Pinnacle and Ameristar. So they're kind of coming together. And you've also got the operators, the manufacturers doing the same thing, although they're not really manufacturers anymore because they're not just making slot machines. Which is right. one of the points in the little piece was I was trying to draw some historical context saying, you know, back 30 years ago, they actually made physical slot machines with reels and that took coins and then they shifted more to doing services like mm-hmm. player tracking and stuff like that. So this is part of that where they're, it's not just providing products, it's providing services too. And it's going to be more and more. And as the way that people gamble shifts, this is going to, going to evolve that way. Yeah. I mean you could even imagine these companies becoming pure technology slash intellectual property firms and not even doing their own manufacturing, right? I mean it's like – I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen at some point as the hardware itself is – becoming even more commoditized as it becomes more based on, you know, PC components and that sort of thing. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you just bought a bunch of third-party game cabinets and then would lease or buy the content. Right. Now, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, sorry. Something should be said for uh, the design that marries hardware and software, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. I don't think Apple's going to be making slot machines anytime <laughs> soon, but your point is well taken. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see that go. Uh, in addition to that deal, we also saw um, some interesting stuff related to both, well, Caesars and their poker asset and also today Ultimate Poker. So Caesars is doing this interesting thing where they are spinning off their online operation and including Planet Hollywood and um, <laughs> so the thing that they're doing in Baltimore, they're spinning this off into a new company so that they can raise money through a stock offering, right? So I think they're going to raise like $1.2 billion, or they are hoping to uh, through this whole idea. Uh, interesting, right? Uh, this is not super um, – this, this kind of thing happens with private equity ownership. You see them – you see them buy assets and then rebundle them and spin them off and uh, you know re-IPO them. Uh, so it's not really unprecedented in that uh, in that regard. But it's interesting to see how how some of the stuff may get sold off piecemeal. Now, if Caesar's gets, the Caesar's entity is going to uh, retain you know a lot of the ownership. So it's not like they're selling Planet Hollywood. That's not what this means. But they are um, they are going to try and extract some. Uh, some capital out of some of this stuff, which I think is interesting. I wonder if we'll see more of these kinds of packaging deals as they try to pay down their massive debt load. Seems like a shell game to me. Yeah, well, so, so much of this stuff is, you know, more like shell game high finance than hotel building kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. How do we yeah. how do how do we keep the place from collapsing? <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. They don't go into more, you know, like, hey, let's Give people a cleaner, better hotel room at a better rate, and that'll help our bottom line. As opposed to let's try to shift money around this way and that way, and you know, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just very dubious of the whole thing. Seems like Sheldon Adelson is kind of dubious as well about these guys too. Yeah, yes. What he's what the quote uh, was the sucking sound is their room pricing. Yes, he's (laughs) referring to Caesars and MGM. He cut cut them right at the kneecap. Yes. Saying that the way that they're pricing is basically ruining the city for all the other high-end operators. Yeah, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about Las Vegas Sands because they reported their financials, and that's where that quote came from was their their earnings call. And um, yeah, so I guess we'll start there, uh, and I'll I'll talk about their numbers in a minute because they were interesting. Um, but yeah, he you know he was asked about 
um, the performance of their Vegas casinos, which is, you know, out of the four markets that they have casino properties, Las Vegas is the third uh, most contributing to their bottom line. So it's becoming more and more marginalized. And that's something that we've talked about, you know, with companies like Wynn and uh, LVS in terms of, you know, getting so much of their income from China and in uh, Adelson's case, Singapore. Um you know, he he basically said, you know, these guys are ruining it. They they own, you know, each own about ten properties, and uh, and they are buying customers by lowering these prices. And they're basically, he said, uh, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but you know, they're screwing Las Vegas Sands and they're screwing Wind Resorts by lowering the the room rates in the city, uh, which is interesting. Of course, his quote got a lot of play because he's out there bad mouthing his uh, his competitors, which we don't see a lot of that directly happening these days. It's always fun when uh, one of them gets pissed off and starts rattling off uh, the sins of his neighbors. <laughs> but I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I don't know. Is that a statement that you guys agree with? Do you think uh, that they are devaluing the market um, by uh, by flooding the room? the market with cheap rooms? I think the market has changed. I think that if the market could bear higher room costs, they would gladly charge them. Yeah. I think that they've, you know, I just think the market has changed for the domestic traveler. They don't have as much discretionary income as they did six years ago, and that's what they're willing to pay. I mean, trust me, they would do, you know, it's not like their goal in life is to give people cheap rooms. You know, they want their, they want to maximize profits or revenues, Right. Not many profits at this point maximize revenues. So I, I think that I think it's a market function, which is uh, what the market's for. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he did in I think in uh, in a fairness parting shot, he did say that if he was in their position, he might do the same thing, um, acknowledging <laughs> that they have both of those companies, MGM and Caesars, just have these crushing debt loads that they have no choice really but to act this way in order to make enough money to pay. Right, and as he said, Caesars is barely covering it as it is, and they're, you know, as we just mentioned, doing all kinds of crazy uh, spinoffs and whatever to be able to raise some money to pay down their massive debt. So, yeah, you know, Caesars is also locked out of the most lucrative markets in the world. Right. So that's that's a, it's a series. Of, it's all comes down to the strategic choices they made, you know, eight to ten years ago. And some companies like Win and LVS made very good decisions. Some companies made decent decisions like MGM with a couple of bad ones. And then Caesars, looking at it kind of dispassionately, I don't see how you could argue that they made great decisions. Instead of pursuing this diversified growth strategy, they chose to invest heavily in Las Vegas and expand their footprint there. Instead of getting into Asia, they again, you know, decided, hey, let's go private instead of doing that. So, really, it comes down to the decisions that the companies have made over the past decade. Yeah, I, I we buried the lead, I think, a little bit with Las Vegas Sands because really the blockbuster announcement was related to their earnings, uh, a forty percent increase in Macau. Um, they brought in $2.07 billion in revenue from their Macau casinos uh, in the last quarter, which is huge. I mean, that's just an amazing number. Um, and and al- along with that, you know, their Singapore property is doing well. Um, and even though it had, just, it had lower than expected uh, revenues, it was still up 48%. So, I mean, <laughs> these guys are like basically printing money with uh, – with these casinos in Macau and in, in Singapore, uh, and they were talking about um, you know some of the building that they're going to be doing their their Parisian concept, which basically sounds like Paris in Macau, uh, <laughs> is going to open in I think they said 2015, and you know I say Paris in Macau because they're doing what 
uh, what uh, the Park Place folks, folks did, which is to build a half-scale Eiffel Tower there for people to come and flock to. It will be interesting to compare the fake Eiffel Towers uh, some point in the future and see uh, how well they both do. Um, I it, think yeah, it'll, prob- it'll probably be bigger in Macau. <laughs> it's, you know, you just got to think everything's got to be bigger in China, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's got to be a way to do that. Uh, I, I think I vaguely remember the Paris Las Vegas folks saying they used the original plans to build their Eiffel Tower. Um, I, I hopefully that's that's correct, and I didn't make that up. Uh, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the the Sheldon version compares. Uh, but I, you know, I just thought that was interesting that they're building that there in Macau, and you just. Uh, sort of, I guess maybe it's not an issue, but the perils of making building your property concept, your theme around something that you don't own. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Eiffel Tower is being copied. This basically the Paris concept is being done again in another in another jurisdiction, right? So I just think that's interesting. They, of course, have spent a lot of money to create branding around their uh, property and theme and experience. And some of that is going to leak over into someone else's pocket, um, which is uh, an interesting thing to think about, I think. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Las Vegas Sands makes tons of money. Uh, mergers, Piho spinoff. All right. Um, we've got more financials to come uh, for this quarter. We're sort of recording this show right in the middle of reporting period here. So, you know, by the time you hear this, uh, we may have already heard from companies like Wynn and uh, MGM. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll maybe there will be more to talk about when it comes to financials next time around. But I think that's it for now, unless there's something else you guys want to talk about there. I wanted to uh, tack in that uh, as part of the Pinnacle Ameristar deal, they had to sell two properties to to get approval. And one of the ones is the unbuilt America Ameristar Lake Charles right. in Louisiana. Whew. And they sold it to da-da, the Golden Nugget. Right. So those guys have now got another property. So we've got uh, Atlantic City, we've got Vegas, we've got Laughlin, we've got Biloxi, and now we've got Louisiana. So that platform that I believe we had talked about a few years ago is starting to you know get bigger and stronger and louder so yeah no it's interesting to see how quickly and aggressively they're expanding right i mean they they definitely took that from their acquisition several years ago and have been going full steam ahead to yep. expand that brand very interesting yep. five properties yeah yep um just today uh our buddies at the Nevada Gaming Commission met and approved ultimate Poker Interactive, which is the uh, partially station-owned company that is doing poker, uh, online poker in Nevada. And correct me if I'm wrong, they are the first company to be licensed under this new framework that allows for these companies to offer this in Nevada. So it's kind of a big deal, right, Dave? I, um, yeah, I think it is. I think it totally is. I think this is really going to be the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's notable that they are the first. They went through a trial period and uh, the state has decided to help them move forward. So, Yeah. And coincidentally, my uh, I have an article in Seven where I kind of went behind the scenes of them and spent the morning hanging out there and seeing what they do. And it's very interesting, very interesting culture. It's kind of someplace between a traditional casino and the Zappos model. 
you know, it, it's it's just fascinating to me. I think it's it's just there's a lot going on there that isn't really being covered by folks, but I think there's a big story there. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to see it unfold. I, I think I've said this before. I feel like this is part of the industry that I, I don't have a good sense of the pulse of, really. I feel like it is happening quickly, and I, I'm not really staying on top of it. Like uh, I pay as close attention to some of the other stuff that happens. And so it's interesting to see um, how this stuff unrolls. Do we have a sense of who might be the next up to be approved? Is there someone on deck? No, but to me, the biggest story is why is everybody else so far behind? And again, this goes back to Caesars. You've got to think that more than anything, they would have wanted their platform to be up for the World Series of Poker when they had people in here from all over the world. The fact that they didn't have it up for that and the fact that they can't really give anyone a date when they're going to have it up says that there's some issues going on. So I, to me, that's a really interesting story that I would love to see somebody tackle. You know, why is it taking these companies so long to get these sites uh, approved and through testing? Yeah, excellent question. Um, I wouldn't, I would, I feel like the software should be sort of a known quantity. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it sounds like, I don't know. It seems like if, of course, software projects can get really complicated, but it seems like this is not inventing anything too dramatically new. I, th- I I think that some of the difficulty might be that when they're taking software that was developed for another market, yeah. and they're trying to get it to meet the regulatory specifications of Nevada, which right. are very difficult. Uh-huh. You know, talking to the people, and I I don't know if this made it in the piece, but they had this report that they'd run every week had had to have the long- latitude and longitude of every bet that was right. placed. It was a hundred and eighty thousand page report that they had to run, and. You know, that's clearly that takes. I hope they a didn't print that out. I don't know what they did. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I don't know that you even could print that out, but apparently they had to give this to the state and the the gaming folks went over it. So it's it's very, it is a very difficult regulatory environment, but Ultimate's found a way to make it happen. So I don't yeah. see why it's taking everybody else. You know, th- when they went live last week in March, I think, or was it last week in April? I have only one thing to say. PC load letter. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, uh, I got to go and read your article. I haven't read that article, Dave. So I got to go and read it and sort of try and learn, learn more about what's going on here because it sounds interesting. And of course, there's some really smart people working on the working at Ultimate doing this stuff, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it continues to unfold. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, let's see. I want to do uh, quick hits on a couple things, and then we'll be wrapping it up here. Um, quickly, uh, I don't know if there's much to say, though. It was entertaining to watch the storm footage roll in uh, last, was it last weekend, as Superstorm came through Las Vegas and uh, the casinos all broke. Um, it was amazing to see this, you know, pretty significant rainstorm in Dave Vegas. Maybe you can tell us how it felt, uh, while it was rolling through, but really I was amazed at how much damage it did. Um, there was rain damage all up and down the strip. I mean, we saw videos of the ceiling inside the Mirage collapsing and, uh, the Aria marquee got thrashed and 
water coming in like you were on a boat uh, coming into Gillies at Treasure Island. So it was pretty amazing to see how much damage was done. And of course, everyone's favorite uh, Imperial Palace, now quad white water rafting was open for business. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was surprised at how much damage it did. Was it really that much more powerful than than some of the storms you guys have had in the past? Well, the worst thing was that my mesquite tree got uprooted. I, yeah, that's not good. In my front yard. Yeah, so now I've, I've got to look at getting a new mesquite tree, which is a shame. I've been nurturing that tree for four years. And man, so that, yeah, that really hit home for me. Went outside and saw that. Not as bad as my neighbor whose mesquite tree cracked and fell on the roof of their car. That sucks. <laughs> it's really, yeah. So all in perspective, not so bad, but man, that. So yeah, I mean, from my perspective, uh, this is the first storm that has uprooted my mesquite tree. So yeah, it was very powerful. I was sitting in the house watching with the kids watching the storm, watching the lightning and some of the trees in back were getting bent over, you know, almost in half by wow. the winds. It was like, wow. Yeah. This was a ferocious, ferocious winds, lots of rain in a short period too. So very, yeah, bad, bad storm. Yeah. Crazy. If for those that are interested, you know, go out and look at some of these photos because they are dramatic. Um, both in terms of the damage, but also photos taken during the storm of some of the lightning and stuff. It's pretty incredible. Very, very crazy. Um, all right, last thing I wanted to touch on today was a uh, Vegas tripping review of the Seafood Tower, um, which, of course, is the uh, Nobu Tower at Caesar's Palace. Um, I guess the first, I'll just open up. Chuck, I'll let you explain uh, what the review said. But first, I want to ask Dave, what would Jay Sarno think of the Nobu Tower? I think he would like the idea because he was so into – well, first of all, he would like the idea if it wasn't his money building it. <laughs> Second of all, I, you know, I think he would like the idea of the whole transporting you to another place, kind of fantastic element. He never really was a guy for having – he did have a – thorough theme but not necessarily a consistent one so yeah everybody was dressed in togas and stuff like that but it was still kind of modern architecture and uh not really you know so yeah i don't think he i don't think he was a, he wasn't a purist in that sense so i think he would like it yeah um so chuck why don't you tell us a little bit about the review now i know uh it wasn't you didn't write it um it was written by our good friend Blackjacker, uh, who stayed at the Seafood Tower. Uh, but I'm sure that you edited it and read it thoroughly and are aware, well aware of its contents. So yes. uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, if you want to paraphrase what he thought, is this a place that people should think about as they're planning their Caesar's vacation? I think uh, generally his review is very positive about the Nobu Tower. There's only a couple of exceptions. Uh, he, he liked the uh, design of the decor, uh, the fittings and the furnishings. Uh, the price, uh, well, I was a little surprised about this because when I had done uh, checking around the time that it opened shortly after there, it was it was priced in the uh, sky high range. Hmm. Uh, but it seems like it's now nestled below Octavius and Augustus Tower. So mm -hmm. it's it's sort of not not exactly a, a big a big ticket item here. Uh, they tried to dress the rooms up. They're kind of small. They tried to dress them up with uh, some nice little fittings, uh, bits and pieces there. I thought the uh, the uh, like it looks like like an iPad mini elevator controller thing, touchscreen elevator controller. I thought was pretty cool. I've always wondered why elevators didn't have like. Uh, toggle buttons for the floor. So if you accidentally hit 82, right. you can hit it to turn it off. Right. You know? So 
Uh, the decor was done by uh, David Rockwell, who also did uh, – recently he did the 550 pizza bar at Aria and uh, the Cosmopolitan Chandelier and the rooms at Cosmopolitan as well. I'm sure there's some other things that he's done. Um, uh, all sorts of technical doodads, gizmos. Uh, it's got a modernist meets Japanese sort of feel. Uh, apparently the uh, the room service menu is pretty bitching. I didn't really get to look at it, but uh, other than a couple of like housekeeping issues, he found some stuff was they 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 checked him out early when he shouldn't have been checked out early. He came back to his room after partying all night and uh, found some things missing. Uh, generally, he seemed to uh, he seemed to be pretty positive about it. It was good good value, good price. And uh, clean, and he liked it. So that's cool. pretty much his his review. You know, um, I looked at the prices at one point, and you know, Caesars is weird. Sometimes you go and look at their prices, and they are insane, like yeah. so far out of reality compared to the rest of the strip. Um, but this was uh, a couple of times that I've checked. The Nobu Tower actually was f- uh, far more normally priced than I would have expected uh, from whatever Caesars crazy pricing algorithm usually spits out. Yeah. So. So maybe Sheldon uh, spent a night there, and that's what fueled his uh, little <laughs> attack there. Possibly, possibly. Um, cool. Well, you should, uh, folks out there, should go and read the uh, Vegas Stripping Review, which of course has a bunch of photos, so you can really see what the place looks like. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm sort of the place sort of has my curiosity peaked. Yeah. Um, like I, I could imagine staying there uh, to check it out firsthand because it just yeah. for whatever reason I'm interested in it. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up, uh, for this week. Um, like I said, not a lot going on, uh, around recently, but we wanted to check in with you guys. So what we're going to do next, you won't, you will not guess what we're going to do next is called our Sherbet segment. So Sherbets is where we get an opportunity to share with you, the audience, something that we think you might be interested in. Uh, it could be casino related, but it doesn't have to be casino related. So it's just our opportunity to share something we think is cool with you. So Dave, can I start with you? Do you have something for us today? Yeah, kind of a mesquite trees, I guess. I'm still, uh, <laughs> you know, just want to take this moment to raise, raise awareness of the plight of root ball girdling in mesquite trees, which apparently, even though you've cared for the tree as much as humanly possible for four years can make it tip over in a storm. Wow. So you are deeply wounded by this, aren't you? Yeah, the root ball girdling. And it, like the Arborist was making like it was like a, a moral moral shortcoming of mine. It's like, dude, it's <laughs> under the ground. I can't – I don't know what the root ball is doing. I'm sorry. Well, root ball girdling sounds like something that's illegal in some states. Yeah, which <laughs> well, it should be. I wish it was. So – Take care of your mesquite, mesquite trees. All right, very good. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your tree uh, is no longer with us, Dave. I'm very sorry to hear that. <laughs> um, all right, Charles, you got something you want to share? I've got nothing, man. I got zero, absolutely nothing. Charles shares his zen, his moment of zen momentness. Yes. yes. All right. Well, um, uh, my favorite thing that I wanted to share was the Gary Loveman diet. Um, there's an awesome photo of Gary Loveman. So, I, you know, those who have been following the industry for a while, I think would, I think fairly describe Mr. Loveman as somewhat portly in the past. Um, yeah. you know, clearly, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not judging, but I love prime rib too, but, um, it, it looks like recently he's been on a bit of a diet because there's some recent promo photos, uh, for some of the stuff that he's doing. And, uh, 
the guy looks great. I mean, he looks like a different guy almost. Um, it's pretty dramatic. So whatever the guys do it, uh, I'd say keep it up. It's looking pretty good. Um, cool. That's it. He got a new haircut too. He's all oh, creep. it's extreme. Yeah, extreme Super makeover. And yeah, he probably lost about 150 pounds, and his hair's all sticking up and stuff. Like he got hyper stylized. Yeah, nice. something. This is this could be part of the the transition. You know, he's changing everything. So, you know, this is the whole deal of Loveman and Caesars shedding their frumpy image. Yeah. Right. There. This is he's deferred the maintenance on himself long <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, it is time with the with with funds raised and eager hands. He has decided to dig in and redo bills and redo Gary's. So, yeah. Well, it's uh, he's definitely it's definitely a dramatic shift. So, uh, in in all seriousness, uh, I can only imagine that must have been hard to do. So, I give him credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, that is it for uh, for this time. Now, please don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. We really appreciate it. So, please, if you have a chance, do that. Um, if you want to leave a comment about something that we've said or missed or mangled or just tell us how much you love us, uh, you can do that at vegasgangpodcast.com. dot com. Um, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can uh, hit at Vegas Gang. Or, and if you need to know about the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic, that is at VegasInternetMafia.com. And, of course, you can contact us individually, and I'll let uh, you guys tell them where people can find you. So, Dr. Dave, where can people find you? DGSchwartz.com. Excellent. And Charles Monster, where can people find you? People can find me at VegasTripping.com and harassing the internet on Twitter at <laughs> VegasTripping. Excellent. Uh, folks can find me on Twitter at Hunter, or you can check out the website for my new app, which is VegasLists.com. We're using that domain name. Good boy. Yes, indeed. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, trying to figure out a name for the app, and I was looking through all the domain names I had, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's serendipitous, so it just worked out. Serendipitous 3. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.